Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome to the Netflix Podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Canadian Netflix. I'm Dylan Clark Moore, and I'm very excited because joining me here today is not only my father, but also an astronomer to talk about a very special movie. Welcome to Mr. Dave Clark. Hello, sir. Uh, normally, I start off by asking people if there's anything interesting they've been watching on Netflix recently. Now, I understand that this is maybe not a... <laughs> A decent question to be asking. <laughs> That's you. a very embarrassing question to ask for you know, right off the bat. Uh, don't have a uh, Netflix account. All right, fair enough. That means that we can just move right into it. So the movie that you, as an astronomer, are here to talk about is, of course, the highly scientific 1998 <laughs> disaster blockbuster, Michael Bay's Armageddon. Uh, the two different ways that Netflix describes this movie. First of all, when you hover over the title, it says a Texas-sized asteroid heading to Earth. Heroes with Major Moxie, it's a fair fight that only one can win. When you click on the movie, the description changes to, As a massive asteroid hurtles towards Earth, NASA's head honcho hatches a deadly plan to split the deadly rock in two before it annihilates the entire planet. (laughs) Once again, we can talk about that one. (laughs) All right, we'll get into it, we'll get into it. The categories it belongs to are Action and Adventure, Adventures, Sci-Fi and Fantasy, Action, Sci-Fi and Fantasy, and the movie's also described as exciting and suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I agree with the action. I agree with the fantasy. Yep. You're just being such a fan of sci-fi. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> yeah, upsetting to see. Yeah, well, yes, it was. But. <laughs> so this movie is kind of well known for its scientific inaccuracies or stretchings yeah. of the truth. My understanding is that NASA actually uses it in its management training to kind of, <laughs> you watch the movie to see how many inaccuracies you can find. Yep. Um, and Michael Bay's responded to these, uh, these kinds of things saying, uh, oh, I know, <laughs> but it's a better movie this way. And very famously, Ben Affleck uh, went to Michael Bay one time and said, would it not be easier to to teach astronauts to drill than it would yeah. be to teach drillers how to be an astronaut and uh who's not so well, not so politely told where he could stick that idea so well that that's the thing i mean if you're going to write any movie from a, a purely scientific perspective you know 100 scientifically accurate and such you're going to be one hell of a boring movie before we start looking at individual parts of it i mean you're at a point now that you i mean like you're well into your your education and career in astronomy and once upon a time you're very specific to put amateur before the word astronomer but i think at this point it's safe to drop it when you get into a movie like this like do you find that that's the first thing that's jumping out at you is the kind of glaring faults or or is it that you're able to kind of engage in the movie first and then kind of chuckle afterwards at at the kind of well there's no question that the um Understanding, you know, understanding the science a bit, and then being an astronomer ruins the movie. You know, the the enjoyment of watching it because that's what you end up doing is you end up sitting there saying, you know, on every uh, single scene, looking at seeing whether it's scientifically accurate or not, and if you find yourself, I mean, you're just going into it with the wrong attitude. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I actually think it was it was a you know as a, as an adventure movie. It was great, great action movie. You know, you know, I loved it for that, no question. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was fun to watch, yes. But uh, I got to admit, a part of that fun was uh, chuckling and actually barrel laughs at some points. <laughs> <laughs> so you find that like you, you have to push through that barrier first, where you kind of have to let yourself off the hook, well, or is it that those kinds of things are, are afterthoughts that you get to chuckle about? I'm, I'm doing it all the way through. I mean, it's it's essentially ruined as a scientific movie from the get-go 
and uh, so that really becomes part of the enjoyment of watching it is actually you know, looking for the looking for the you know the, the flaws if you will right so how some people will watch like a bad horror movie to yeah. kind of yeah. take guilty pleasure in it because yeah. i think you mentioned as well that uh i don't know if this is something that you feel like you're going to be outing anybody else talking about, but there was an email group going around recently talking about, was it the Martian or was it interstellar that people were kind of jumping in and saying, yeah, I watched it and here's all the things that's wrong with it in the. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were still better. Uh, I haven't seen Martian, right. (laughs) You know, and, uh, I mean, in those ones you were, I mean, you were critiquing small things in my attitude. I mean, they at least made the efforts and they had the, on how to properly word it, but the scientific uh, guidance, if you will. I mean, they went outside to uh, you know, to get advice on how to do this thing. But uh, Armageddon, I'm sorry, it was just so off base scientifically that uh, no, it just became it became almost comedic. You know, for uh, for somebody who understood or understands in any way what was going on or understands the, the scenario of asteroids and hitting the Earth and such, and it was just it was comedic. You know, so that's okay. Uh, I you, you try to. Try to watch it uh, thinking about how other people are looking at it, okay. and and uh, to somewhat uh, to some extent. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad movie that way. So I mean, you know, if you know, if we, if we had to rate this thing, and I guess I think we do that at the end. Uh, yeah, we we rate this thing right? as as a movie. If I tried to take off the uh, the scientist had it as a movie, I would certainly give it a far higher rating than I would if. Uh, you know uh, that it's going to get at the end of this because I think the whole idea <laughs> here is to talk about the science. And granted, I think we're all sitting here saying that Armageddon, as you said, was the poster child for bad science in a movie. So it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, like this was when I when I asked you to do this, it was because of the notoriety of yeah. this movie. And that's having not seen it since probably at, at least the early 2000s. I haven't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. but it's still maintained a very strong reputation yeah. for its insanity (laughs) and it's it's utter disrespect to science and the things that we've come to understand so yeah i mean let's let's get right into it i mean that's pretty much what you're here for i mean we're not here to talk uh too much about plot points and patriotism i think that other people have talked about that to death but uh because that's i watched it with you right and so when we were doing that i found that i was kind of I was trying to watch it a bit more through your lens of looking for mm-hmm. those inaccuracies, but also being very uneducated <laughs> with regards to them. So kind of trying to find holes without actually having the right tools to do it. So I have a few questions about where something might be fact versus where something might be fancy. The The very first thing that we see with regards to any kind of asteroid impacts and things like that is when Eddie Griffin is taking his little dog for a walk in... Yeah, it's New York City, and we start to see these these rocks yeah. falling to yeah. Earth. And I'm guessing that I'm right on this one, but I'm assuming that when giant bits of rock fall to Earth, they don't actually have anything inherently explosive. <laughs> that is true. Within them. Well, so, other, yeah. other, uh, other than the, the sheer energy of them hitting, yeah, the, the, no, the, there's nothing explosive within them. That's, that is true. Okay, so when we see, <laughs> when we see these little chunks of rock yeah. hitting buildings and... There's explosions and, and screaming and everything. Well, screaming is probably actually going to happen, but okay. So, so in that that opening destructive sequence, is there anything that jumps out f- other than the fact that these rocks are exploding for well, some reason? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, the first thing is that the uh, the atmosphere is a heck of a shield. So, you know, uh, what we saw there with these things flaming in all the way, all the way in, is what the uh, the, the popular 
perception of these things coming in would look like, whereas uh, uh, really the, the thing's coming in through the atmosphere and it's blowing up along the way. It's kind of like having a nuclear blast going off as it's coming in through the atmosphere. And it's uh, it's a much longer term thing than what was shown there. And, and you're right, it's not so explosive at the end. Typically what happens at the end is a rock falls on the ground. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, something really, really large. Sure, it can come come through and do a lot of damage, but uh, the uh, the sizes of a lot of those things that we saw coming in and, uh, would have uh, been a much less violent when it finally hit the ground. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm glad to know that I was on point with that one. So help me out here if I'm wrong. The whole idea is that there's this giant asteroid that has broken away from the asteroid belt. <laughs> well, if you're confused with exactly what happened here, that you're, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, part of what I was trying to figure out was, hey, uh, was how could this happen? And I wasn't quite sure. It was, it, sometimes it seemed like it was an asteroid and other times it was a comet. Some, you know, some differences, some similarities, but I'm sitting there going, you know, like, yes, how could this happen? How could it happen and not be detected until 14 days before? Well, as as Billy Bob Thornton says, you know, you only gave us the funding to watch about 3% of the sky. And <laughs> yeah. forgive me, sir, there's a heck of a lot of sky. Great line. Love yeah, Billy yeah, yeah, that was actually and that was actually a cute line. And I, I meant to research and actually never did the, uh, you know, when you go back to 1996, the technology back then compared to what we have now uh, was really inferior. And, and certainly less of the sky was being covered than what, what is now. Uh, but, so I don't really know the accuracy of that. But what struck me was the sheer size of the object. And, and it's, uh, people say the size of Texas. And I, I'm not sure if it was actually ever mentioned. But that's 800 miles wide, whatever that works out to. Uh, 12, yeah, yeah, it is. It's bigger, which is actually bigger than the bigger, uh, bigger than the biggest asteroid there is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, our, 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 our bigger than our largest dwarf planet. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Yeah, we do. We do hear uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Say, I'm not even worried about character names at this point, but uh, we do hear him say when he's describing to the president, you know, because the president's like, you know, you keep talking about miles. How big are we saying here? And he says, it's about the size of Texas, sir. And so you do get that line right there from the movie. So that's actually bigger than any asteroid that we the, the biggest the biggest what we now call dwarf planet or whatever you know it's uh well the series uh, the, uh which is the closest one in the asteroid belt anyways is uh it's about a thousand kilometers which is less than 800 miles all right then so like they are talking about an asteroid so the asteroid apparently breaks out of the asteroid belt yeah, and that you know, somehow I mean, the, yeah that that in itself is uh, the um when you're watching that, you're going, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, that so, doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if I, if I recall, I think they said that there was a collision beforehand. Was it not that it actually drove it to her? But but still, um, doesn't happen that way. <laughs> right. Like what's gonna what's gonna move something that big? Yeah, it's gonna destroy it. It's not gonna move it. Right. right. Were there any other kind of major? fallacies before we actually get into space and get get ready to <laughs> to start dealing with this thing because kind of launch was when you and i started yeah. chuckling together at the same time so oh there was there was tons of fallacies you know, you know sitting beside me here is a list of paper to prompt me on if i need them but i mean oh, well, let's let's, to, let's see what I you mean, got the, i mean you know, the, the list of them was just was rather hum, uh, humorous that uh um, I mean, so, so first off, it is the object itself was uh, a little bit ridiculous in the fact that uh, we wouldn't see this thing until 18 days beforehand. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, objects that size, we would be uh, we would be seeing absolutely worst case if it was a, a comet coming in from the outer solar system. It would be 
you know, months to a year and a half. <laughs> so is it one of those situations that even if 3% was right, like that's only 3% at a time, kind of like the, that, that false idea that we have that we only use 10% of our brains because oh, it's really like you only use yeah, 10% right. of your brain. It's not yeah. like oh, yeah. we're only focused. Yeah, we, no, on no, I mean, like, we, we cover much of the sky. And then, you know, I mean, again, to be fair, this was 1996 versus 2015, 2016, but uh, we're developing systems now that um, essentially cover the sky to reasonable depth uh, every night. So uh, now I'm, I'm, again, trying to think back to 1996, we weren't that good right. by, by, by no means, but uh, certainly over a period of, uh, you know, the, that you have of months or years or more to, uh, to detect this thing, you're going to cover a lot of the sky in that time frame. So, yeah, so that was one of the things was that, yeah, this thing would have been discovered long before. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the list of things that I mean, that, that made me chuckle. I don't know if that's fair and if that's really the intent here, but, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty long. Um, well, I mean, if, if you're uh, not here in a role I mean, as yeah. an educator, then, then what are you <laughs> no, here for? So. I mean, there were, there were issues of science. I mean, just bad science. I mean, just wrong. Uh, <laughs> there were, there, I mean, I sort of equated it to, uh, you know, if if you're if you had a dramatic movie and this uh, three year old jumped out into the uh, into the road and put up their hand and stopped a speeding dump truck, people <laughs> okay okay people would go hey hey oh you give me what is this right well unfortunately that's what's if anybody who has uh, you know you know understanding of the dynamics of the solar system or whatever that's that's what they see <laughs> is they see something quite equivalent to that but uh, so there was that there was the, the things that just weren't scientifically correct. There were issues of continuity, which uh, I think is like. Do you want to speak to some of, like just some examples of the? Okay, well, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, on the on the scientifically correct side, uh, it was again, you know, the the, the size and such, uh, the circumstances. The most blatant aspect of it was around how you how are you going to destroy uh, an object like that if if it ever did happen, and uh, I think the most reasonable thing to do. Uh, um, if you had an object coming that size at you 14 days prior is uh, go out and buy that really good bottle of scotch that you always wanted to buy because <laughs> <laughs> you know, there ain't nothing you're going to do about it. And I had, a, I, read, I had a really good chuckle, a little bit off course here, but I read a really good chuckle when they were all, all the scientists, all the, all the idea guys were accumulated in the room and they were talking about ideas and the uh, solar sail guy was there. He was at the table and he wanted to you know, either wrap it in cellophane stuff or tinfoil type stuff or, you know, the big solar sail. And I, mean, I, I, I just cracked up at that one because anybody who understands what solar sail technology is all about is you let the sun shine on this thing and it moves it centimeters per year <laughs> you know, for a while. And then it slowly accelerates after year, after year, after year, whatever. Fine. Great idea. Right. I mean, you know, to, to, well, to, although, to put to, it on an asteroid to help keep the asteroid fresh, I guess. But that's about it. <laughs> although, to be fair, that idea does get laughed out of the room in the movie as well. Uh, yeah, here. but he wouldn't have been in the room. <laughs> fair enough. Um, there were some things that I actually, I'm not sure why they did wrong, because they actually made it less worse than it actually was. Like, uh, I mean, some of the things, you know, like, uh, uh, I'll, I'll get back to that point in a second, but the, the, the terminology, everything is in miles per hour, well... You know, scientists don't talk in miles per hour. You know, right. That, so that was something yeah, I included. You know, oh, okay, that's not, not so bad. Yeah. But that's, um, that's catering to your yeah, audience. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah that's. Sure. But, you know, uh, an object going 22,000 kilometers an hour. Okay. That's about seven in, in astronomy, you typically do you know, kilometers per second. That's about seven kilometers per second, eight kilometers, nine, oh, nine, I guess around nine. That's darn slow for anything coming in past the Earth. It's either going to be anywhere between 10 and 70 
kilometers per second. So I was like, whoa, that's down at the low end. So I'm not sure why they did that. <laughs> and what else did we have going on there? Um, the Well, the launch, I guess, was the, uh, was I guess, was, was a place where we both had a <laughs> really, really good chuckle. I mean, it was impressive. You that talk was about fun the, to the, watch. The launch I mean, where you have the, the, two, the, two, shuttles, the yeah. two shuttles going off right next to each other. Well, actually, immediately yeah, they were following each other. Yeah, there were a couple of things in there, right? Uh, I mean, first off, they were actually launched about a minute apart. So after a minute, a shuttle is about 22 kilometers downrange. <laughs> so when the second one launches, <laughs> and so by the time the second one launches, you, you, you've got some, some fair distance. But Seconds later, they were side by each. I mean, that was, that was impressive. I'm not sure how that happened. And yes, and then to uh, eject their boosters in front of each other, one, one in front of the other. I mean, that was, yeah, like we're going to. <laughs> that seemed reckless. That was like. Yeah, a... Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a but, Top uh, Gun move yeah. there. Yeah. But the, uh, the thought of, you know, the thought of even having these, uh, these spaceships, like, let's just have two titanium shuttles built on the sly, you know, uh, off on the side, you know, like, yeah, sure, right. Uh, now, true, the military does have stuff that uh, the scientists would love to get their hands on and can't, and you, and you get hints of it every once in a while, but nothing to that degree. <laughs> and you, you don't keep something like that that secret or whatever. <laughs> and then just the, the sheer, I guess, simplicity of okay, let's make some, let's make them out of titanium. That titanium that solves everything. <laughs> It gets rid of all the problems, but uh, yeah. And then, I mean, if you've ever, well, I know, I know you uh, you watch uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Now, there's a show that did it right. right? That's uh, in, on the science on the science side of things. Yeah. And then one of the things, of course, you always chuckle at is the uh, the maneuvering of uh, of of uh, spaceships in these in these types of movies. And in Battlestar Galactica, you saw you saw them doing all those really cool maneuvers because you can you can there's yeah. no way up there you. Know? <laughs> So, uh, you know, after these shuttles had uh, blasted off and they were heading towards the space station with uh, burners going flat out and they go into this big bank turn, what are you doing a bank turn for? There's no air. <laughs> it's not going to help you. <laughs> it's, a, it's that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the, I guess the biggest issue is how do you destroy this thing? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you're going to confess it or not, but I will. That I actually sat down and... Uh, did a did a, a, a oh yeah so did a, did a calculation <laughs> so what happened was after after we watched this movie I, I went to bed at probably one in the morning and then when I woke up at about six the next morning I had been sent these spreadsheets <laughs> I was like sorry about that like I, I, like I don't know what the hell I'm looking at here not that they were poorly labeled or anything but I was just I was like does this research you had accumulated like what I didn't know what it was, so do you want to do you want to tell them what it was that that you sent me? Well, uh, before I make a criticism on something, I want to make sure that it is essentially wrong, right? I don't want to be accused of pointing sure. to something that's I mean, not. Hey, sorry, that's a scientific way, but uh, uh, so I figure, okay, well, let's calculate this out. Let's uh, let's see what it would take to uh, split, if you could, uh, an, an asteroid in half uh, f um, for uh, four hours prior to hitting the Earth at the mm -hmm. speed that it was going. So I uh, did all the calculations, figured out what, you know, how much something the size of Texas would weigh you know, and what, what the mass was and how much energy. And I didn't use a little tactical nuke like they used in the, in the movie, but uh, took the biggest nuclear bomb ever built by the Russians, which is a huge <laughs> 90 megaton thing. And, uh, 
and just did basically <laughs> high school physics is what it was. I just went through the high school and figured it all out and then come up with a calculation as to whether you could actually make that much mass move the, what is it, about 12,000 kilometers that you'd have, or 6,000 kilometers you'd have to make it move to get around the side of the earth. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, erring on the side of the movie as much as I could. And then, whatever. right. Yeah. We got benefit move, of the we, doubt. Yeah. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah. We got it to move a half a kilometer. <laughs> <laughs> So my uh, my suspicions that this wasn't quite valid was, you know. It was pretty quite, fair. Yeah, yeah. I think it was well-based. Uh, I, mean, I really feel bad here because that's not really the intent. I mean, you know, yes, we, we could knock down the movie, but I think right. there are bigger arguments you know, about, you know, you know, why does it bother? What, what, why does it bother me and such? But uh, I, I had to chuckle when they, they said, uh, you know, the guy gave the example of if you put a firecracker in a on your hand and you blow it up, you know, and you, you get a little bit of a burn. But if you clench your fist around, you know, it's really you know, blow your hand apart. Yeah. So how are we, what are we going to do with an 800 mile thick asteroid? We're going to put the bomb 800 feet into it. Right. Which is one five thousandth of the way. <laughs> so wonderful. You put it under the first layer of skin. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and, uh, the other side of it was just, I just, uh, just the whole, throughout the whole movie was the incredible amount of knowledge uh, that they had about the asteroid, that they'd mapped uh, a landing spot for it. Right. They somehow knew yeah, the, that, uh, the surface topography. and Yeah, that they knew that the place where they really wanted to drill was, you know, primarily ice and whatever was, was over there. And they know that they'd missed it by whatever it was, 26 miles. And they were now in an area that was totally ferrous something or other. I can't remember. Right. All iron. How did they figure that one out? Right? That, that, oh. that, that, that is amazing because I definitely, we still haven't figured it out. I mean, we got, we got, we got people taking pictures and doing radar images of Australia. We have to send ships up there <laughs> and <laughs> investigate this stuff. Yeah, we, uh, there's just no way you would have that knowledge of, right. of an object. So I, I am wondering then when there are things that are incorrect like this. And I think, you know, even, even Michael Bay is willing to, uh, willing to concede that there's not a whole lot of scientific accuracy that went into the creation of this movie. In some cases he was presented with, Hey, here's, here's how this would actually work. And he said, well, that makes a better movie doing it this yeah, way. Really. So is there a point, does, does this movie ever cross the line where some of the, the bad science it's presenting could be potentially kind of dangerous to be entering into the public consciousness? You yeah. Know, well, I think like, now, now you're getting into, um, you know, what really is the reason I'm, you know, bothered by the, that type of movie um, is that um, I think just generally as a society, we are scientifically ignorant. And, uh, and I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, the, the science is the be all and end all. I appreciate art probably not as much as I could. <laughs> Don't sure. spend enough time on huh? But uh, I think, you know, as, as a society, we're scientifically ignorant and uh, it... Uh, I think that that really creates issues. Uh, you see, you know, a lot of uh, false hopes and a lot of false paranoia around you know, people's impressions of of science and of, of reality. Really, you know, I, I look at uh, science as being, you know, it's a, it's the study of the natural world and tries to explain what's going on out there. And uh, I think just as a society, we should have a, a, a firmer background in the sciences, understand things better, uh, be it physical nature or whatever. You know, uh, I think uh, you know, I mean, the, the immediately pressing point would be uh, global warming, climate change, <laughs> all this stuff. Uh, I mean, I think the, uh, the, the uh, 
the science in this is all important. Um, certainly, I mean, there, there are social aspects and such that are, that are very important as well, but in, in fundamentally, underneath it all, is we got to understand what's going on, right? And there's, good, and there's just so much hype, and I don't think it's good, well, scientifically-based hype, you know? And I think uh, bad science in movies and such, I think, uh, I think it confuses people. Once they see this, uh, you know they they don't know what's real. They don't know, you know, they don't know what's fictitious, and uh, and as soon as you you bring confusion or conflicting points, like somebody saying, "Hey, that that's cool. That's the way it is." Oh no, it's not. That's not the way it is, right? Well, you don't usually come out of and nobody comes out a winner in that, right? What you end up with is confused public. <laughs> you know, is Armageddon a bad thing? No, <laughs> you know, but just as a as a as as a principle, seeing you know bad science in movies and whatever, I think it's just. Uh, I think that that's where it bugs me the most. Is it just I I have this? I just don't like the fact that uh, that that we are scientifically ignorant as a, as a society in many. And uh, I do spend time trying to change that. <laughs> right. And and I feel that a movie like that in two hours and a half causes much more damage or much more uh, confusion around science than what uh, twenty hours or twenty five hours of teaching. The truth <laughs> right. you would bring, right? So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's harder. That's that's. It's also an issue of you know if you have to work harder to get the right information than you do to get yes the bad information. Yeah, like you, you said, is Armageddon bad? You know, like morally <laughs> reprehensible? Yeah. No, but is getting all of your science education from movies like Armageddon bad? Yeah. Say, definitely. Well, yeah, uh, and that's. I mean, I mean, many people look at science. And, you know, the, the problem with science is it's hard. Right? It's it's hard to learn. Well, I, I disagree with that. I mean, if you if you want to sit down and actually be doing the science, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's, right. it's hard to avoid. <laughs> uh, but if you want to understand what's going on and the implications of it, it's not that hard. But it does take time. Like you have mm-hmm. to, you have to sit down. You have to read. You have to find your level at what you can read at. You know whether it's a, you know, Scientific American or even a Time magazine. <laughs> you know, the, or the equivalent online nowadays. But uh, you really you have you have to put the effort into it to understand, right? And uh, and and it has to be something that is. Uh, instilled early so i mean you, you see me running around in in schools doing astronomy displays in schools and whatever right like in the hope that maybe i might you know turn one or two kids into a scientist <laughs> or but uh, but as well it's just uh, hoping that a number of people just have a little bit more understanding of what's going on there and i think that's important uh, for as i mentioned you know the um, you know the climate change issues, but I mean we see it a lot in you know uh, in the food we eat. You know the people going off on panics about you know what we eat or uh, what we should eat or what we shouldn't eat, and based on hype. You know, not right? You're talking about like like gluten fads and GMO yeah, and, and yeah, and if you you know if you if you go out and you eat that sausage, you're going to die of cancer. You know, <laughs> like, right. okay, come on, yeah, like let's <laughs> yeah. pesticides, things like that. These are things that. Really, we need to under we need to understand the science, and I'm not saying that science always is used for good, right? I mean, sure. no, I mean, it's uh, I think it's, it's understanding, and I'm not saying that scientists always get get it right. Like again, look at the climate change side of things. I mean, you know, the I'm going to say the vast majority. That's probably a little, but I think the majority of people say that yeah, the Earth is warming, and uh, the majority of those folks would say, and we're kind of causing it, or at least we're contributing a big part of it. 
But there are a, there's a viable set of people out there that say, well, yeah, it's happening, but uh, it's not due to us. It's something else. And that, I think, confuses folks. And I think it's, I think one of the things that public has to learn about science is, is it, it doesn't necessarily have all the answers. It's a method to the answers, right? It's, right. A, I mean, you experiment, you come up with results, you rinse and repeat, try again. And, but it's understanding that process and understanding what science is about, I think is, is important. Yeah. You can, you can understand where, you know, if for somebody who hasn't done the work themselves or who maybe doesn't really know where to find the answers other than, you know, just doing a quick, mm-hmm search into Google or just whatever dominant opinions are being shared on their newsfeed on Facebook, you're tempted to try to say, you're you're tempted to try and say like, yes, I have respect for the science, like Mm. capital T, the science. But then if you, if you have that where you have, okay, fine, there's a majority of people over here saying this, but then there's a well-educated and seemingly responsible group of people saying something else. And you have this divide where, you're trying to decide practically whether or not you should even do anything about it. Like, mm-hmm. sh- should I be making an effort to reduce my carbon impact? Should I be be doing this or that or whatever? And you have conflict, then I, I understand at least the temptation to kind of fill in those gaps with ideology, just kind of whatever yep. other like-minded people are feeling mm-hmm. or whatever politician is the most attractive to me yeah. is telling me to say about it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what complicates it too is just the the fact that anybody can publish anything nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in the scientific community, some people will, will will think that you know the conspiracy theorists will say that they're all, they're all in cahoots and whatever. But uh, but scientific papers and scientific research are peer, are typically peer reviewed, and it's all it's uh, and you you know, you build and you build upon arguments and, uh, and 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 certainly you disagree. There's no question to absolutely disagree you know I'll, I'll put out a paper and somebody will say well that's wrong and this is for this reason and we'll have a good discussion about it and maybe one of it you know and one of us is right and one of us is wrong and and, here, and here's the reasons but it's still a scientific process to get there right <laughs> yeah. but uh nowadays it's just it's so easy to put i don't know the proper word bunk <laughs> out and uh, and if you put it out properly, it, you know it, it it catches on, and uh, and it's hard to fight. It's really hard to fight. And then and typically that ten to one rule comes in, right, where you where somebody puts out something and everybody goes, "Oh, look at this!" Look at this and and get get all excited about it. And it takes ten times or a hundred times the effort to get everything straightened back around again, you know, as to what the reality is. Right. Or by then, worse, everybody stopped caring because yeah, well, the you know the yeah. big flare up of attention is <laughs> yeah. has died down. Where you just have some pretty youtube star spouting nonsense about something they don't really have an understanding of and i mean hell i should not be criticizing people for trying to get famous on the internet over here but (laughs) but you're not trying to get famous as a scientist (laughs) that's fair so do you have a not to completely sidetrack this then do you think that the uh kind of the return of the celebrity scientists do you see that as a good thing with like bill nye getting out there and neil degrasse tyson and yeah oh yes absolutely absolutely i uh I mean, no, I, I love these guys. I mean, I, I think they're doing uh, you know a, ph- a phenomenally good thing for for science. In the, in uh, that that uh, publicize what's the word? Making science more uh, understandable and and, and uh, you know available to the public. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, that that is so valuable. Um, I wish more people were doing it. Yeah. 
It's a hard thing to do. It's hard to to bring a concept which you know has you know gobs of math underneath it and whatever else and bring it to a level where it's just here, you know, like, you know that kid can't stop that dump truck in history. <laughs> <laughs> it seems almost kind of petty to kind of go back to the yeah, movie. To the movie. <laughs> uh, before we went off on that, you started to say that you also had some issues with continuity. I'm assuming that's not like narrative continuity, but more well. Uh, I mean, yes, certainly there was, you know, it's a bit of a scientific bend to it, but some scientific continuity, if you will. But uh, one of the things I, you know, again, chuckled that throughout was the uh, gravity. Not the movie, but the <laughs> the concept of gravity in Armageddon uh, was rather cute. I mean, they, they went to all the effort of uh, having these special spacesuits that would keep them down on the surface of the, of the asteroid. Uh, but... Uh, when things got really rough up there in the shuttle and folks were running around and they were jumping over things and managing to land back down on their feet inside the shuttle as they were running around and going, hmm, what's pulling them down? You know, I mean, like, why did they need the spaceships to pull them down? Yeah. They just didn't seem to have a grasp of gravity at all in that movie or at least didn't want to pay attention to it. Right. Yeah, the, well, uh, you can. Did you know that you can artificially create gravity by rotating a space station? You can, actually. You can. But, there I mean, it, Yes. But, See, um, this is but why not, I'm not the one doing yes, this. Yes. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately not the way they did it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, so like, oh, okay. So I'm really going to test you on this one is if you remember. Well, the, the movie 2001 have you watched it recently or at no all? you're talking about when he's like jogging around the right but if you can remember the space station was a huge wheel if you will and right. when you rotate that wheel yeah you can run around on the outside right so the amount of gravity or I mean, you call it gravity if you want know, a centrifugal force but it's equivalent you know actually gravity uh, increases as you get further from the center right? so here was this space station which was really a tube with a few things sticking out and they managed to create gravity in the middle. Well, you know, all you would create is dizziness. I mean, there's, there's no, <laughs> there wasn't enough there. To, and then any gravity would be, you'd be towards the wall, right? Right. <laughs> Whatever. So that was, you know, that was, that was, that was rather humorous. Uh, and then they, they went to the effort of actually, which was kind of cute. They started twisting the, uh, the, the shuttle to actually dock with the, uh, the space station, but they didn't dock at the center. Like if you watched the, again in 2001, the, you know, and this, of course, hard to see. Clark was was a wizard and stuff, and a, and a scientist, and he knew and he knew what he was talking about. But you saw the spaceship rotating at the same speed as the uh, uh, space station coming in at the hub and rotating at the hub at exactly the same. Speed. Yes, that makes total sense. That's the way you would do it. But somehow they started rotating the the, the shuttle, but they ended up on the outer ends. Of of the space station, so they weren't docked at the at the center. They were they were docked out at the uh, at the other ends. So you were I, I could imagine trying to pilot this ship, trying to attach onto this outside of something that was turning at that speed would be absolutely impossible to do. <laughs> yeah, so, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, again, it was a uh, you know, the just just continuity on that side of things. Um, the other thing I chuckled about with uh, in in the movie is uh, the gratuitous use of. I don't know if you want to call it effects or whatever, uh, you know, to make it an adventure movie. The armadillos, the the, the mining or the, the tractors that they had there. Right. What do they have machine guns on them for? <laughs> I didn't quite figure that one out <laughs> as to uh, what the use of a machine gun would be on an asteroid. Or like ballistic shovels, I think, uh, that uh, you can just kind of, yeah, okay. yeah. you need to very quickly yeah. get out of a tough situation. Yeah, that was, that was good. But, uh, but, but, back to the con- <laughs> but, but back to the continuity. <laughs> they were like Gatling guns <laughs> strapped to the top of this stupid yeah. thing. But then, that, if that wasn't funny enough, uh, 
later on in the movie, I think it was the was it the pilot of the uh, uh, of the shuttle? Yeah, pulls William, the gun out. Yeah, William Fickner. Yeah, yeah, yeah he pulls, pulls out a gun. Pulls out a gun, and the comment. <gasps> What do you have a gun up here for? <laughs> Why not? We got machine guns on the <laughs> We have proven what we are. <laughs> so, uh, no, that was consistency. I got, I got to there you go. That was consistency. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, the, the uh, whenever you're running around with tractors on an asteroid, it's always good to have rockets on the back so you can jump. Jump over chasms. Jump over and, chasms. I mean, it's always, yeah. it's always good thought, too. So you mentioned earlier that we kind of have, don't really know what uh, what these things are made of, these asteroids, and we have an idea well, from... Well, sure. We have we have a good sense as to, how should you say, the variability of what they could be made of. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and asteroids are basically planets that are broken up if you will after you know and then what we're looking at is the the remnants of that and uh, so you you know you get yeah you can get iron like they said you can get rock you in comets you get ice yeah that's that's all reasonable but uh, the ability but uh, to the fine detail of being able to say that thing out there is made of this and has this mm-hmm. these compositions in these areas and mapped out the way that it was right that's just uh, that's not done remotely at, right. at at this point in time right so, from what we saw of what this asteroid did look like, in hmm. with the the kind of jagged, pointy ice everywhere, basically like Mister Freeze's lair from yeah, yeah. from Batman and Robin, is that something that's plausible? Like they even reference in the movie when he says, "You know, what can we ex- when Owen Wilson? What can we expect when we're up there?" And he describes and says, "Okay, okay, you know, you could have just basically said, you know, like." The worst place you yeah, could possibly could imagine. imagine. Yeah. So I mean, like, does that was there was there any kind of hint of plausibility that you could have all this crazy jagged ice well, no, up the, there? The, the, the jagged business was a bit. Yeah, that was that was excessive. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, and again, depending on whether you're talking about an asteroid or a, um, a comet, and they they certainly seem to have the two mixed uh, to to whatever was best advantage at the time <laughs> what they needed but those two uh, things are interchangeable right yeah. they're just <laughs> well actually they're finding out in somewhat there are there are things in the middle actually but um but no the ice does not look like that i mean uh, again you know if you want to see what a, a comet looks like you have every opportunity now right go online and go onto the nasa sites uh, oh, sorry sorry i just uh, insulted the european space agency go onto the european space agency site right then they're they're orbiting a Orbiting a comet, you can get some very good pictures of what a comet looks like. Uh, you know, so, and that's the reality. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yes, they had they had the ice right, they had the iron right. If it was an asteroid, possibly whatever, but yeah. not not the two together. Like that. <laughs> right. um, the other the other thing that stood out from a design standpoint that I I didn't know if I was just missing something. The the whole asteroid, whenever you saw it in its kind of looming first person view as it was hurtling towards earth it seemed to have this like green mystical goo kind of sound like there was this yeah it was the, like enshrouded yeah, yeah okay. that was actually yeah that's not that's not bad i mean yeah. uh, if, if it were a comet that's that's totally fair ball yeah because they are it's what's called outgassing yeah that's they do that yes and you have okay. a, you have a coma around it that's uh, that's fair asteroids not so much and <laughs> but um yeah that wasn't that wasn't something that uh, really jumped up the 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 size versus the shape was a bit of a anything uh, anything eight hundred miles wide of uh, uh, would typically be more of a 
spherical. You know, like it would, it would be pulling itself. It's got sufficient gravity that it would be pulling itself into something that looks more like a, like what you would think a planet. And that thing looked like just a big shard of something yeah. <laughs> floating around. So I'm not sure where it came from. <laughs> Whatever it came from was darn big. <laughs> I'm sitting here kicking myself. I should have calculated how much gravity that thing had. Not much. Um, um, so, I mean, those were, those were again inconsistencies where, you know, things were staying on the surface pretty darn well until they needed to be able to go far, like jumping that chasm. <laughs> like this probably plays more into the idea of trying to narratively create this asteroid as like a character sending its little like minions out front and, and everything having these little asteroid attacks that happened beforehand. Yeah. Um, is that a thing that there would be kind of little sub? Well, comments no. that could possibly be coming along for the ride. Where it also, where it threw me off as well was towards the end of the movie when when they're getting ready to finish their drilling and everything, and then all of a sudden the, the asteroid itself starts to be bombarded with parts just at a really narratively inconvenient point. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, what those were, I have no idea. And yeah, it seemed I, like I, there's I, this I, extra I, thing yeah, coming from somewhere else. Somewhere, yeah, I mean, like if, I mean if, if it's... If, if it's part of it or whatever, they're just going to be coasting along beside it, right? They're not going to come right. screaming in. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I cannot explain. I'm, I'm uh, officially, they call me a d- dynamicist, uh, dynamics of the solar system. And I could not understand the dynamics of what was going on. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that uh, that is a point. Uh, you know, whether you have these little things coming along ahead of it or all of this stuff that was trailing behind it as they tried as they had the maneuver through as they were get, as they were approaching it right where's that coming from not really sure uh, the stuff uh, the, the, the things will break up certainly a little bit and you'll get some pieces of that but a storm like that unless you know I, I, I don't i don't know what their intent was as the source of this thing unless it was a collision of some sort and then it generated a whole lot of stuff and that was the biggest piece of it then fine yeah but uh all right it was stylistic yeah <laughs> Any other things that bothered you? Maybe any things that they got right that you're kind of glad for it? Or um, with the science filters on, no, there wasn't much right. I mean, I mean that. Uh, that sorry, uh, uh, if you if you took <laughs> if you took that off, I mean, if you and if you yeah. just if you, if you just okay, let's sit back and have fun and watch a movie. I think it was a it was a decent movie. I mean, from that you know, from that perspective, I mean, there was no question that was you know it was action packed and it had all of the you know the right cliffhangers and the ups and the downs and all that stuff. So you know that way it was it was great. You know, I mean, uh, you know that's why I'm really torn on ranking this this, this movie. You know, I mean, it's uh, you know it's somewhere between a five and a one. <laughs> and uh, but uh, I think we've uh, we've pretty well covered. A lot of, I mean, it's it just, it's just more of the same, right? Um, uh, things like, you know, what, you know, what's a space station doing out there with, uh, all that fuel? What's it used for? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they didn't have any plans on doing this. <laughs> so, you know, you have a space station out there with liquid, liquid oxygen in it. That's good. That's really great. Uh, now, unfortunately, a space shuttle needs liquid hydrogen about three times as much as it needs liquid oxygen. wasn't mentioned, but okay, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> That'll do. Um, um, and then just more of the more of the physics, if you will. You know, um, you know, shuttles just aren't made to go out that far. Uh, they don't have the fuel to do it, even if you refilled it. I mean, you you're still in orbit around the Earth. You still got a lot of work to do to get away from the Earth. You still got it. You still you need as much fuel as uh, as you took to launch. You didn't build as much again. 
So all those boosters that they had and the fuel tanks that they ejected, they need them again. <laughs> they didn't have them. Uh, you know, to get out to the moon. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just going in, into an inventory list here of things, right. so, you know, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's all that stuff. You know, the other cute one I really liked was, you know, they, they, uh, they did a slingshot around the moon, which, and we've all, I mean, you've probably seen and, you know, NASA does this all the time, right? They, uh, they slingshots, they, they slingshoot. <laughs> Is that the word? Uh, but they use gravity. They do a gravity boost uh, to put a spaceship and make, make it go faster. The only problem was that they went the wrong side of the moon to do it. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, well, but if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you if you want to... <laughs> but, uh, if you want to increase your speed, what you want to do is you want to go the same direction as what the object is that you're going oh, around. Oh, did they, did they go they went, against they went, they went the orbit? They went, they went, they went so that, that was a great braking maneuver. That's what you do to brake. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's not a, they went against the rotation of the moon. Yeah, because as you remember, right, they came around sort of, you know, I'm right. going to say right to the left or whatever. And, yeah, and, uh, oh, God. Yeah, the moon, because the moon was heading that, the moon was heading to the right when they came around. <laughs> Man, like, it's almost at the point that yeah. I wonder if it's just, they, <laughs> It's either just thought artistically first, like what would look best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or if it's, it it almost seems like they had a scientific advisor and they just like kept putting his head in the toilet. (laughs) Just like, nope. (laughs) No, I don't think they had, no, I don't think they, well, okay. Oh, they went opposite. Yeah. Well, the, the, the the final one too, it was, uh, you know, okay. So, you know, you you took all of that energy, you know, to get out there and you got slingshots. So now you're traveling at the earth at, you know, 20,000 miles an hour, as I said. I could just imagine the conversation. They just blown the asteroid apart, and now they're going to go. You know, Houston, we have a problem, and that is we're traveling twenty thousand miles an hour. What are we going to do? <laughs> we're not going to hit the atmosphere at that. <laughs> like we kind of probably should break a little bit here. <laughs> so uh, you know, so with a shuttle. I mean, you know, some of you, if you had, if you had the right ships and whatever to be able to. Now, granted, maybe it was made, you know, being made out of titanium, and they were they were good to go. But uh, I think. The, I was stretching it a bit too. So uh, the other the other hypothetical, I guess, is if that worked, and let's say you've got these two halves of the asteroid. If that worked, yes, yes. (laughs) If that worked, and you've got the two sides just like eking by on the poles, like that's going to cause some problems too, isn't it? Or is it just going to things are going to shoot on by? No, I mean. If somehow you could put something on the surface and blow it in half exactly right down the middle right. or whatever, and if it, if it went by, it went by. Like how close before that gets to be a problem? Because <laughs> like they're they're right down well, to the wire there. Like is that going to cause any like no um, issues with like gravity or? Oh you, no, I mean, I, you, yeah, you would shift the Earth some tiny little amount or whatever, but nothing. I don't think it would be of any great consequence enough to. Uh, you know, you know, tilt the pole a little bit or something, but no, I, I haven't actually sat down and thought about it, but, um, it, yeah, it, I mean, it's that. actually quite cool that it went, you know, half one side and half the other because they'd cancel each other out. <laughs> that was quite fortuitous. But, it just kind of parks at the poles and squashes together. Yeah, and no, makes I mean, no, they go, um, no, I mean the, uh, I mean, the reality of it is, of course, you could, you just never, you wouldn't, it wouldn't break in half. Right. And, and then of course the, uh, how did they explain away the, uh, you know, all, all of the little pieces that would cause you problems. Uh, you know, uh, oh, they just said that it would. They said small pieces are like falling into the ocean and things like oh, yeah, that. That's convenient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that was a yeah that that was that was a bit funny. And and, and, and there's another place of where. I don't know why they did what they did. Like, as, as I mentioned, they made it go so slow, like actually slower than reality. And I'm not sure the reason for that. Like, there was no, no, no reason to say 20,000 miles an hour versus 30 or 40 or whatever. Uh, but the other was the size. Like, why'd they have to make it so big? I mean, impressive, I guess, or whatever, right? But, uh, I mean, the general sense is, I mean, you know, Earth disaster. And I mean, I don't mean wipe out all of life, but still nuclear winter and stuff like that is basically anything over four, anything over 400 meters, 500 meters. <laughs> they, they kind of over, they certainly made sure it was going to be a disaster. I, uh, I fed uh, the asteroid into, uh, there's a, a fellow by the name of Jay Malosh, a scientist I very, very strongly admire, and he, he does uh, cratering and such. And I fed, uh, he, he has a calculator just to say, if you take this asteroid and throw it at the Earth, what damage is it going to do? <laughs> and uh, and and, uh, and I ran it through, and clearly his he, he didn't even design it for anything that big because it was... <laughs> It's not possible, you know. Nothing. There's nothing that big in the solar system that would be coming at us. Uh, but it was rather impressive. It was, you know, you know if, uh, a. I'm not sure what a four thousand mile wide crater would look like on the Earth. It's eight thousand. You know, that's a, a pretty big crater. Uh, uh, I, I actually believe. I mean, like something something that big, if it had hit the Earth, would have been much more than what they would have what they were saying. Right? Like, I think you would. I, right, this I, wouldn't have just been. I an, think you would, you, would be, you, the... you would be talking structural damage to the earth. Just and you know when I uh, you know compare this to uh, you know the the few other space movies space uh, movies that I've seen uh, you know and, and when I you know when I compare the types of things that we you know used to critique those movies for against this one you know they were the one thing that always jumped out. I, mean, I think they did this in Gravity was. Uh, and it was always something that bugged me. They did it in Mars as well. I don't know if you ever saw that saw that movie. Um, but when they uh, leave one spaceship, you know, and then the uh, uh, the astronaut drifts across to another spaceship Sorry, in is orbit. This Mission to Mars that you're talking about, or yes, yes, okay, it was Mission to Mars. Mission to Mars, yes, yeah. yes. But what they did to transfer from one spaceship to another in space. I just remember Tim Robbins freezing in space. Yes, as well. yes, yes, yes. So yes, right. So they they do the transfer. They, they 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 abandon one spaceship and they use their whatever little thrusters and guns and whatever else to get them and over a whole to lot the, of gumption yes yeah, a whole lot of gumption yeah and I always look at that and like and I and I chuckle because uh, you know, this problem is like you're zinging along at yeah I don't know, ten kilometers a second something like that <laughs> and uh, and let's imagine that you're looking for a car in the province of Ontario that is also traveling at 10 kilometers a second, but it's not just a two dimensional, like you're on the surface of the planet. You also have to worry about height. You got all three dimensions to worry about and you're going to manage to find that car and get on board it. <laughs> like it is a massive problem, right? And the, you know, it takes a whole lot of computers to figure it out, but these guys can do it. <laughs> they can do it in their heads. Right. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm impressed, but that the that's the, the point. Like I, these other movies, that's about as far as I can get. That was the one thing that always bugged me about these other movies. And those are one, two things. Armageddon was just full of it. Now, right. so, so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, would it be worth the exercise of fixing Armageddon? Like, would would it actually have been better if there had been effort, or is it just like the the crux of the movie is so no, um, fundamentally? It's like the spirit of it is so scientifically broken that no, no, it's it's the wrong. No, it would have been wrong. It would have been wrong to be scientifically correct. I think because I mean, in order to do, uh, it's just so hard, right? I mean, and you would have to slow down the action. Like, let's face it, we're slow in astronomy. 
you know, we, you know, we do things in years and decades. Right. <laughs> and we talk about billions of years and whatever. Uh, no, that's, uh, I think uh, the movie that did it uh, the best, uh, and there, there are two that come to mind of good science fiction movies. Right? One was Contact. Right. That, that was really well done. And even though it stretched it at the end, like, I don't mind scientific stretch. Fan, you know, that was, I don't want to say fantasy, right? But the idea of wormholes. And, you know, you, so you sort of go, uh, okay, but hey, maybe. <laughs> you know, that's, that's possible. So that, that, was a, that was a good movie. And then the other one, and I am totally embarrassed and I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Help me out here uh, with the comet that hits. And Deep Impact? Deep Impact. Thank you. Yes. Well done. Right. That was a well done movie. And it was ac- it was scientifically accurate, right? You know, again, it it can be done, right? But as a Bruce Willis film, no. <laughs> There's just, I mean, it's just there's <laughs> no could, point, right? No, I, uh, no, I, no. It's uh, I, I just could not see it working. Hmm. I guess the frustration for me is if you think of you know Armageddon versus Deep Impact, what do people remember? They remember Armageddon, right? So that's. That's their view of science, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and that's what I find most, you know, the, the more frustrating. But as a, you know, which one was, uh, you know, worth the most, uh, you know, or my, my my ticket price or whatever? Well, yeah, for me, uh, deep impact a little bit more, but Armageddon was still well worth it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, Deep Impact did make about $350 million at the did box it? office. Okay. So Compared to Armageddon? Armageddon came in with, gotta I'm going to guess more. Yeah, got to think more. more yeah. uh, $553 million. Oh, well, okay, so two to one, or not quite even two to one. But uh, no, that was the, the neat thing about Deep Impact, right, was that it it was scientifically accurate and it was a good movie. You know, like it, so it sort of showed it can be done. <laughs> so that seems like as good a time to... Uh, ask you the essential question that I always ask at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, you have to, if you were to let's say, let's pretend in the science fiction fantasy world that, that Dave Clark has a Netflix account. <laughs> so one, two, three, four, or five stars, five stars means loved it. Four stars means really liked it. Three stars liked it. Two stars didn't like it. One star hated it. Mm-hmm. And also what's your, your MVP? Of the movie, the your favorite thing about it. Well, okay, so for the ranking, I mean, this is I've obviously thought a lot about this one, and uh, and I'm assuming you're not going to let me go into too many uh, decimal points here. So I'm going to go. Not a single one. one. Netflix one. Netflix won't let you give a half star, so you're not allowed to hear either. So I feel bad giving it a two. I think it deserves more than a two. And uh, you know, basically, my attitude is it's a it's a four as a movie. As a as an adventure movie, or sorry, not I shouldn't say an adventure movie, but an action movie, and like, and yeah, you know, I always like Bruce Willis, yeah. um, and the science side, it's you know, it's, it's a one, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so you're rounding down to a two or yeah, rounding up it, to a three? Yeah, this yeah. is this is the problem, yeah. Right. So, uh, um, I, I have to sleep at night, so I have to say two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I, I can't, I can't, I can't round it up to a three. No. Was there an MVP, anything that stood out as being redeeming or, or particularly enjoyable part of the movie? Uh, Bruce Willis is always fun to watch, right? So, uh, and I think the uh, the comedic aspects of the movie, I think, were the high, you know, the, sort of the, the high points for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the uh, chasing the guy around with the shotgun on the uh, on the oil rig was, and that was that was just fun to watch. And you know, <laughs> not 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 the thing you probably want to do around an oil rig. I don't think. <laughs> 
something tells me there's some combustible materials around that you're probably be a little bit worried about but no i yeah, it's funny the the stone buildings com- totally combustible <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the, uh, but the uh, oil rig yeah totally safe to yeah. fire shotgun shells off yeah of. and then a uh, character wise uh for me uh, and i'm gonna forget his name i'm i'm sorry but the uh the russian cosmonaut i think he was the Oh, he, um, he, he was the uh, he yeah, was sort of the the, the standout character right. for me. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. the uh, the character's name, but it's Peter Stormare as the actor. Yeah, it's always okay. great. Yeah. Decidedly less creepy in this than in many of his <laughs> other roles. I love the the number one. I mean, just you know the the way he acted, the you know, and such you know the, the the comedic side of it, but also just sort of really how it depicted actually accurately in a way the difference between. Uh, you know, Russian, Russian technology in space and uh, American technology. And it's just, uh, you know, the, uh, there's the old quip about you know, the Americans spent you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to figure out how to make a pen work in space and the Russians use a pencil. You know, that's, right. that, that, you know, that, it was, <laughs> and just, <laughs> so that, that, that ended and then anyway, him sort of mocking the Americans, you know, throughout the movie for the, you know, was, I, I, I think that was the, from a character perspective, that was the highlight of the movie. For sure. Me. For me, I, coming into it, I was expecting to give it two stars because I haven't seen it since the early mm-hmm. 2000s. And my understanding of the movie has been entirely influenced by kind of the internet's opinion of it. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to other people's opinions for a long time. And uh, most recently, I listened to, uh, and shout out to, uh, to my boys over at the Video Negative podcast, uh, they covered this movie recently with a much more like narrative analysis and things like that. And, uh, just listening to them talk about it, I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> I don't want to do this movie, but sitting down and watching it, the first half of it is quite entertaining. Like when they're kind of getting the, the ragtag group of guys together yeah, and yeah. like you have to suspend disbelief for every single part of it, yeah. but it, it's fun. The idea of kind of these, these blue collar guys coming together and, you know, being offered the opportunity to save the world with their silly little requests and it's this family drama. But then once you go up into space, that's when you realize this is a two and a half hour movie. And it's not like it takes a while. Once you get into space for me, it becomes a lot less engaging and, and a lot less fun to watch. So, um, I'm surprising myself by giving it a three. I was expecting to give it a two before I watched it, but I had more fun than I thought. But the second half of the movie is, it's kind of the opposite of Titanic in that once the chaos and destruction actually starts, it actually gets a lot less fun in this as opposed to that's when it really takes off with Titanic. Yeah. Well, I, I, I couldn't give it a, I couldn't give it a three because I could go back up to the university and actually sit with people and have them talk to me. <laughs> and <then> they wouldn't. <laughs> hey guys, listen to this podcast guys. Where are you going? Yeah. Guys. Uh, my MVP is going to Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I just had a lot of fun with his mm-hmm. character. He was kind of the, it was like if Bill Clinton ran NASA, like this really yeah. <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. down home sort of approach. And you see kind of a glimpse at the end that he really wishes that he was part of that that mission, but his own physical limitations have, have put him in place. So he's really respectful of kind of the adventure that these people are going on and and, and understanding that, you know, yeah, these guys are the ones who do have the right stuff, and I don't know, it was a lot of fun. It, it just played played really well for for a movie that was yeah yeah otherwise I, pretty you know pretty stock characters. Yeah, so. and I, yeah, and I didn't object to that as much. I probably should have or whatever because obviously you don't train these folks for seven. I think they had seven days, right? Something like that. Yeah, right. Like, like, 
you know, let's face it. I mean, that is just not reality in any way. But I, yeah, I, I, I very quickly glossed over that one. I didn't let that one bother me too much. You had bigger fish to fry, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I, I struggled. In a better movie, yeah. that might have been the biggest yeah, problem. Yeah. yeah. And I, I struggled at times of the, you know, the, uh, the father daughter, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the fiance relationship or whatever. I just think, I don't know, it was, it was, it wasn't, wasn't adding to the movie to any great extent for me. So I don't know right. Yeah. That, that's really just building up to the payoff at the end of him yeah. saying goodbye to his daughter. Yeah. And, but the, yeah, yeah there, was, there are a few touching scenes like that one or where, where the president finally speaks out and says, you know, hello earth. Yeah. We, the Americans are going to come save the world. Don't worry about it. We got this. We've been working on it. We didn't tell anybody, but yeah, that was kind of bothersome too, that in this opportunity to come together as a global community to fix the whole problem, America decided to take, <laughs> we got this. Well, Everybody uh, else is going <laughs> to go with it. And yeah, just rally behind them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a whole, uh, that's yeah. a whole other podcast there. Um, right. So thank you so much for coming on to do this. Is there, is there anything that you're working on that people should know about or anywhere that people can find you online or? Well, certainly. Um, yeah, the, mostly on the uh, the university side of things. Um, hoping to uh, get a paper out uh, in the next uh, month or so on some really cool objects that we've discovered uh, nearby the Earth. And uh, always working on the meteor side of things. Uh, you know, as sort of tragically we saw at the beginning of the movie with uh, all those uh, meteor meteors uh, hitting the poor shuttle and all the folks in it. Um, that's the type of stuff that we work on up at Western. And uh, you're on pelting. <laughs> satellites and space stations with, with meteors well we're trying to uh trying to predict if you will that um the what we call the space weather and uh trying to predict when things will get a little bit messy out there and that uh, folks shouldn't uh, exit the spacecraft so it's a lot of interest in the work that uh, western does as far as uh astronaut safety and spacecraft safety and the like so is that something that like i suppose that would be a real concern but it like we're at the point now that it'll be all right don't don't go outside the weather's not very good well it's i mean like weather forecasting on the earth and i'll get 100 percent correct right. but uh no well, uh when the astronauts are going outside the spacecraft uh before they do that they uh they always check in with western and make sure that uh there's nothing uh, going on out there that they should be concerned about and the the work that you're doing is up at the uh western university is it yep any any shout outs you want to put out there anybody in the physics and astronomy department who would just be thrilled to have their name thrown out in, in a oh, podcast about wow. Armageddon. Hey, okay. Well, yes, I guess I could embarrass a few folks. I mean, there's some uh, really, really uh, impressive work coming out of uh, Peter Brown's group in uh, meteor physics, um, Paul Wiegert and uh, Margaret Campbell Brown. Yep. Awesome. Well, hopefully they've enjoyed listening to this and, and, uh, and feel that you've been a good ambassador for the department. and <laughs> I just hope they're not checking what I said for accuracy. <laughs> well, hopefully they are. That's that's how we learn. That's science, after all. Well, it's primarily uh, just I'm uh, slugging away at my research up at the university. I do have a web page on there, but not, it's not overly informative. <laughs> People are welcome to, uh, welcome to go there. You just look up. Dave Clark at UWO or D Clark 56 at UWO. And uh, there you go. Uh, you'll see me. But um, oh, that's, that's about it. I don't keep much of a public face and I don't think I'm doing anything right at the moment that people would be overly interested in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, My research is in things that hit you on the head, like astro <laughs> meteoroids and the like. So uh, 
but not to worry. I'm not, I'm not hiding any deep secret. <laughs> Fair enough. You're watching more than 3%, hopefully. Well, there's people out there watching more than you. Yeah. Right. I do, uh, I do chuckle at times with the, uh, the thought that, uh, you know, if, if some uh, big earth destroyer or schmucker, as we call them, uh, would, uh, be coming in that, uh, I'm sorry, earth, schmucker, <laughs> earth schmucker, yeah, <laughs> would, uh, uh, you know, that there would be this grand conspiracy and uh, we would hide it. Everybody would hide it. And I just absolutely chuckle at that uh, because it's a relatively small community of, uh, of people. You know, there's you know hundreds of people <laughs> out there doing it and they're all interconnected and then such. And they couldn't keep a secret for it. <laughs> 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 you know me, I'm not a conspiracy, a conspiracy theorist, but I really chuckle at that one. You know? so if this were to happen... We know about it, and you could then go out and buy your bottle of scotch. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this, and uh, and giving some insight into uh, the flaws of science in Armageddon, and uh, and why it's important to maybe do a better job of of trusting in it, or at least <laughs> figuring out how to how to think for ourselves and not just believe whatever Michael Bay tells us. To. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah, so just uh, go out there and try to learn it a little bit uh, better, and. Uh, I just wish that folks would, uh, I mean, be be looking at it with the same critical understanding that we are here, just saying, you know, okay, I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. I just hope that the majority of people that saw the movie are thinking that way. All right. Well, at least 50 people will hear this conversation <laughs> and and know a little better. Uh, like I said, thank you again so much. It was, it was a lot of fun talking to you about this. Oh, thank you, sir. That's going to be everything for this week from the Netflix podcast. If you like what you heard today, head on over to netflixblog.wordpress.com to check out the rest of the Netflix content, like show notes, articles, reviews, as well as a weekly look at what's new on Canadian Netflix. You can also find us on our social media platforms, starting with Facebook at facebook.com slash netflixpodcast. Over on Tumblr, you can find us at netflixpodcast.tumblr.com. And you can find us on Twitter at NetflixPod, where you can also find me at Dylan Clark Moore. If you'd like to support the show, there are a few ways you can do so. You can start by heading over to iTunes and subscribing so that each week's episode comes straight to you. While you're there, drop a rating and a review to let us know what you think. You can also contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign, whether it's for the rewards like shoutouts on the podcast or customized content. Or if you'd just like to see us keep doing what we're doing, you can pledge your support over at Patreon.com. The Netflix podcast is produced and edited by me, Dylan Clark Moore. The theme music was provided by Zach Moore. Speaking of music, what you're hearing right now is a piece called Ria Gaia by artist Chinovsky. This is the opening track from the album Forest City Series Volume 2 from record label A Person Disguised as People. I'll be sure to include proper credits and links in today's episode's show notes. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next week for a whole new conversation about a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, baby, you ain't streamed nothing yet. 